Yeah, it's on the right thing this time. Hooray. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? No, I'm very Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I... In addition to the other thing, the uh, the cat was yowling in the <laughs> hallway this morning and woke up Moira hella early, and it's just fucking awful. Anyway, <clears throat> all right, let's do this. All right, hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, uh, the show that is not trying to be your new dad, but it is here for you. I am Max. And I am JR. <laughs> and we are having a rough one this morning. And we're, yeah. we're going to try to power through for you, the listener. Not JR. I yes. don't give a shit. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, how's it going? Uh, it, clearly quite well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Masturbation. Blah. Anyway. <laughs> That's going to be real fucking random. You better explain it. No. So we had, we had to restart recording because I'm stupid. And, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the first recording we did, I was talking about how this morning I discovered when I have to take a shit, I will often say I'm going to run in and pop one off. I did not realize that this was a reference to jerking off. So, like, look, I'm fine with talking about masturbation. I don't care. I do it. You do it. The Pope does it. Let's be real. But the fact of the matter is, like, I didn't want, I don't want to do it when I don't mean to. <laughs> you only, so, like, only want to talk about beating off when you know you're talking about beating off. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, <clears throat> so yeah. It's safer all this that time, way, honestly. You know, treat every knife like it's sharp. That way, right. you will always, it's safer that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Sorry. But yeah, so that's how I am. How are you? I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot and also mentioned in the previous version of this. <laughs> A past version we'll never see again because I deleted it. Uh, I stayed up way too late listening to the Wolverine podcast. Uh, and it's really good. Y'all should go listen to it. For, like I said before, first season I thought kind of dragged a little. Uh, this season, which is probably super old, um, is much better and includes more Gambit. Which is always good. And yeah. Yeah. G Gambit is one of those characters, you know. Like, when I was a kid, like, in the 90s, like, late 80s, early 90s, Gambit was, like, the shit. Oh, the very um, first comic I ever owned was an Uncanny with Gambit and Psylocke on the cover. And I didn't know who the fuck was going on in the middle of it. And yeah. I think it was, oh, Jesus, I want to know, I, I wonder if I can remember what, I'd have to go, like, find it, but the, the art was, like, just peak 1994, 
because I bought it on our way. I bought it in the airport on our way to Disney World, and okay. I, I was ten, and it was just fucking angles and tiny eyes. It may have been Liefeld, actually. The cover. Okay. Anyway, yeah, Gambit's the shit. I think we can all agree on that. Okay. Well, the, uh... Yeah. Um, the, as I've said before, you know, they kind of, they kind of had some issues in the 2000s with him and whatever. And don't get me wrong, I recognize that, like, the way I felt about him in the 90s, it was a radically different... If if I were reading it now, I'd just think Gambit is fucking stupid, but... It's Gambit and Storm. It's... Two two sixty six. That was the very first comic I ever bought. Uncanny two sixty six. Was that? I've no. That's his first appearance. That doesn't count. That can't be what I bought. I'm an idiot. I was gonna. I was gonna say that I'm real dumb. Please excuse me. You're fine. Though I will say that that cover is Andy Kubert. So yeah. I am real dumb. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, news. Uh, so, at New York Comic Con, there was an event where they were commemorating Stan Lee's life, you know, celebrating everything he did and uh, glossing over all the people he fucked over and stuff like that. Like you do um, with Stan Lee, otherwise, you can't enjoy anything. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, one of the things people got, they got, you know, the program for the event and blah, 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 and then they got a special issue called Celebrate Stan Lee. And Marvel has apparently told their employees that if they are found to be selling that issue, Mm -hmm. they will be fired. And it's like, look... You know, I recognize that, uh, you know, Marvel has the right to tell its employees whatever they want. Uh, but I do think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, because comics, comics is a business that let's, let's face it. Comics is a business from top to bottom. Um, it's an art form. But it's an industry. And when you have something that is not for general release and somebody needs a few bucks, they're going to sell that shit. Like, that's just how it works. That's that's how capitalism works. You have something that's rare and has a certain amount of value. You need money or you want hell. You want money. Yeah. That's that's a fairly straightforward situation. And yeah, and I don't like I don't know how long this is going to be in effect too. Like if if an employee 2 years down the road their parent gets sick and they, 
you know, have to pay for medical bills and they flog that thing. Like, you're really going to fire them over that? Like, no. No. So, I don't know. I just, I think it's, I think it's making something out of nothing, really. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it, even if it's like, you know, even if Marvel editorial feels it's a little ghoulish, it's not his fucking funeral. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was, it's a, it's a, an event planned for remembrance, but still... Like, okay, whatever. Get back to suing the shit out of the motherfuckers that took, that were doing the elder elder abuse, and like this is fine. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say. Um, so uh, the other thing is, Rob Liefeld has apparently talked to a lawyer. Ooh. About uh, I bet Rob Liefeld talks to a lot of lawyers. Probably. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, if he's not suing, he's being sued, and yada yada yada. Yeah. Uh, He's talked to a lawyer, and apparent he says some some feet at uh, Marvel are going to be held to the fire. Um, Lord knows he's not going to draw any. (laughs) uh but okay so he claims it's over shady business practices and he made clear it was the new york side of things not like the cinematic side of things uh which okay um and it's not specifically deadpool related which is to say so somebody asked him a question question about whether or not it involved Deadpool. And the answer he gave suggested that it might be somewhat in some way connected to Deadpool, but not Deadpool himself or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I look my my hatred of Rob Liefeld has dimmed over the years. At this point, I just consider him kind of sad more than anything. Yeah, my feelings on Rob Liefeld are essentially, oh, alright, you're kind of fun to make fun of every once in a while, but that's about it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not looking forward to the 80s and 90s when we have to have a lot of Rob Liefeld on this podcast. But, whatever. I I tend to view him as someone who has never really been forced to adapt or evolve. Yeah. Um, And that's fine. I mean, you know, he found a level of success that worked for him early on and as such has never really had to improve. Okay. But... (laughs) Uh, but my general feeling is if there is, if there is shady shit at Marvel, it needs to be dealt with. However, Rob Liefeld does not give a shit about anything that does not involve Rob Liefeld. Yeah, I don't really see Rob Liefeld being the guy who's like, workers' rights, 
Like, yeah, no, he's not, he's not out there at the vanguard of free speech or or uh, at you know at at the forefront of uh, as you said workers' rights or anything else. Rob Liefeld is in it for Rob Liefeld and freelancing maybe, is killing art. <laughs> doesn't really maybe feel like Rob Liefeld. Maybe something good will come of him. Okay, well, let me re- let me qualify this. If Rob Liefeld actually does wind up suing Marvel, that's part one. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that that couldn't lead to good things for other people. But if it does, that is an unintended consequence of his actions, not the reason he's doing it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. And hell, he might be suing over something completely stupid, like just the way well, they col- the way they colored a reissue or something. That's also a possibility. It yeah. could be that what he's suing over is so fucking minor, like, he will, Marvel will just be like, yeah, okay. Okay. And give him whatever he wants, Fine. and then he, he will be like, called. we won! <laughs> You could have just called. Yeah, so, whatever. Uh, moving on. Comics. The, this week, uh, I tell ya. Um, so. So. Oh, God. Marvel Team Up, number 41. Written by Bill Mantlow. Penciled by Sal Bashima. Inked by Mike Esposito and Dave Hunt. Colored by Ellen Vartanoff and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Karen Mantlow. I, the problem, the problem with this is that all of Marvel Team Up and all of Marvel 2 and the 1 this week basically form one long meta narrative. Uh, even the issues that are not an out and out continuation dovetail into other stuff. And, Okay, but the problem is Marvel Team-Up is so hung up on every issue has to have a different guest star. Same with Marvel 2 and one mm-hmm. That you're already, if you go, if you take more than an issue to do something, then already you're heaping contrivance upon contrivance simply by virtue of the fact that you have to go from character A to character B and you have to lose character A and bring in character B and who cares because whatever it's a different issue but you still have to explain why character A is gone and character B is here now or refuse to do so like or refuse to do so which like is they do with vision. jarring well, um both vision and doom i know we'll get to it but like it took me until i was almost done with team up meaning six issues passed that I was like okay wait are they just assuming that I'll assume that they just took the time platform from 1976 to here like the same time platform like is that how he got here because Doom didn't Doom didn't but that has to be what Vision did because yeah otherwise he literally he shows up out of fucking nowhere and they're just like oh thank god you're here you you don't want to ask like 
maybe Vision can time travel. You don't but know. What it, what it amounts to is each issue we get a new guest star. Yeah. And it's just, they're, they're just like, here's this one, here's this one, here's this one. And it's fucking awful. Um, All right. Well, so to start, we've got Scarlet Witch in a creepy castle talking to a voice in her head. Mm-hmm. Who apparently dragged her from the Avengers Mansion to here. Uh, she had been hearing these voices for a minute and snapping at Jarvis and and Vision and she can't get them out of her head but she comes to a big fuck off door and blows it like for no reason. This is yeah. I just realized this isn't story related at all. Uh, but flashback some more she's talking to herself and using the word or using like i and a y e and ye and all these sort of older uh colloquialisms and she steals a quinjet and goes to ladveria where she finds a door and then finds some person that behind a pulsating leg that at first she acts like she knows who it is she's like oh no no and manages to get a hex bolt off before she is felled by our unseen assailant yeah Uh, so yeah so spider-man's kicking around new york when a random uh, Bolt starts heading toward him. He tries to. He tries to. Uh, like it's. It's flying across. I don't really know whether it was meant for him or he intercepted it and got dragged along. Whatever. The point is. He tries to wrap it up with a, his webbing before it hits, like, whatever, but winds up being sucked into it. And uh, the one thing I will say, I do kind of like that when he's being sucked into it, he's freaking out. But, like, he's saying to himself, okay, you can still feel your legs. Yeah. And so that's a nice little, like, okay... Calm down, work it through. Yeah, you're not being like disintegrated. <laughs> you're not being um, annihilated, <laughs> so it's right. probably okay. So he's transported to Doom's castle. He finds um, the Scarlet Witch, who's with this long-haired pilgrim asshole. Uh, that it turns out is Cotton Mather, <sighs> and historical he... asshole Cotton Mather. Yeah, like, look, I, uh, most of my knowledge of, like, the Salem witch stuff comes from the Crucible, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, and, like, most of my knowledge comes from Fallout 4, so that's not better. That's, in fact, way worse. Uh, Okay. 
Well, at least mine is somewhat literary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the upshot of all of this is I'm like, okay, whatever. Like I, some of this I remember and some, uh, you know, the crucible was in goddamn high school. So I really don't know, but, uh, well, like <laughs> Peter, Peter was paying attention in history. Yeah, because he's just like, like not only does off. he recognize these people, but he's just like, oh man, you got a rough year ahead of you. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, but, uh, the guy he knows, the guy later, he's like, or Proctor John, he's like, oh no, he's going to get hanged on April 13th, 1960, or 1692. And it's like, 1960. Yes, that too. But he's going to get hanged, like, and he knows the day. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Like, well done? Yeah. Maybe you're one of those guys that has an encyclopedic knowledge of, like, this specific event. Yeah. But, uh, so, Mather, Mather is controlling Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Uh, and causes her to attack Spider-Man. There's a brief tussle after which Spider-Man winds up buried in rubble. Uh-huh. This is, I am surprised that Peter escapes this storyline without brain damage because he gets knocked out a lot and stays under a long time. Yeah. Uh, but so Mather and uh, Scarlet Witch climb on board the time platform and disappear. Peter wakes up, quote, some hours later and a friendly reminder if someone gets knocked out and they're under for more than five minutes, brain damage. Anyway, uh, so Spider-Man wakes up and digs himself out from under the, uh, or I guess webs himself out from under the rubble, uh, gets in the gets on the time platform and follows them back. They go back to 1672. 1692. Uh, 1692? Yeah. Fuck, whatever. Okay. You know, uh, if I can interject, you know how last week I was like, isn't it weird? Like, we had all those weird sort of crazy comics, and then, like, two issues of Amazing right at the very end, and I was like, yeah. even half-assed issues of, of Spider-Man are always better than whatever we're getting most of the time. Like, yeah. they're con- consistently better. When it's team-up, I'm like, this is gonna suck. Yeah. It's just weird that it's it's still Spider-Man. It's still essentially a Spider-Man story. But I'm like, this is going to be terrible. Sorry, going, moving Well, on. yeah, because they have, for one thing, they have to give equal time to the other person. Um, it's just a... And it's, yeah. It's rarely a good story. <laughs> it's It rarely is. So he gets back to, he gets back to, um, to the, uh, the... 1692, uh, and is in Salem. And this is one thing. So it frustrates me. If you're going to have a time machine, it can't just be a time machine or else like shit like this happens where it's like, you've not only moved in time, but also you're across an ocean and here and stuff like that. And it's just like, that's why one thing I have to give doctor who 
the TARDIS makes a hell of a lot more sense. It moves through time and space. It's fine. It can be wherever it needs to be. Cool. But if you just have a straight time machine, then ostensibly you should travel through time and come out. If it's, if you're going to do the whole, like, you know, the play, <laughs> it stays with the planet as it moves, then fine. But you got to come out the same place, whatever. Anyway, they are putting Scarlet Witch on trial, um, which this whole part doesn't really make sense to me, given the villain's plan. Uh, the eventual big bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, but whatever. Also, like, um, it doesn't... He's about to, like, let these towns... Mather is about to let these towns poke, uh Frothing townsfolk burn her down and for being a witch and then out of nowhere Vision shows up and is like stop trying to murder my wife and that's where we end i just realized yeah. wanda this is a pe- this is ostensibly wanda's issue of team up and she and gets she does nothing. nothing in it yeah yeah <sighs> fuck you wanda she doesn't uh, get a lot to do with the rest of the issues either well she she's at least involved in the fight against the big yeah. bad but still uh so marvel team up number 42 uh is colored by janice cohen uh, the vision magically appears. Apparently, I don't know if he was, if he walked past Spider-Man buried in rubble and went through the time platform before him and it just took him a while to get there despite being able to fly or if he came in after, in which case, what the fuck was he doing that entire time? But whatever. Flying. Uh, so, I mean, ostensibly, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I re- whatever. Uh, so, I the like, townspeople... I like option one, though, because it's just like him walking by, hmm, Spider-Man's leg. Well, doo-doo-doo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's clearly but... dead or suffering from massive brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, the townsfolk are like attacking and uh what's really annoying is uh somebody does the whole let he is who is without sin throw the first stone at which point some dude is like hey that's me and throws a stone <laughs> and it's like look that that quote is supposed to make you reconsider who you ha- are it's not meant as a test of if you can throw a stone, that means you're without sin. Uh, but well, anyway. He, no, actually, he, does, he says... He said This townsfolk, complete with asshole hat, uh, says, uh, I be without your sin, witch, so I am free to cast the first stone. And that's after he, he clearly threw a rock at. So he decided that he did consider himself and was like, I am an asshole. Throw rock. <laughs> well, uh, um, anyway, they fight. Vision's kind of going nuts because it's his wife. And he uh, 
is taking fools down, and Spider-Man starts paying attention to, like, Vision too much, because, remember, this is history, and you butterfly effect and all that, and you can't kill any of those motherfuckers, because they might be your great-grandpa, and he's... He gets, because he's paying attention to Vision, he gets swamped, Spider-Man gets swamped, and they all go down. Vision, Rwanda catches a stray blunderbuss. Yeah, (laughs) she gets, she gets a, she gets a, um. A lead ball. Yeah, a ball to the. Temple. temple yeah and then vision goes after mather and is blasted and so spider-man wakes up in a cell and it the three of them are chained up and then there's just a bunch of people just there and uh it's here that he meets john proctor and john proctor's like yeah this guy uh this town you know it was never really problem free. He goes through the the story of the Crucible. Like, read it. Like, this isn't that kind of podcast. Anyway, so. it, yeah, it's the Salem Witch Trials. You know the Salem Witch Trials. If you don't go watch the Crucible, you'll be alright. Yeah, it's girls be you know getting it into their head that they can use witchcraft accusations of witchcraft to get rid of anyone they don't like. And they proceed to do so. And, uh... Cotton Mather so, yeah. shows up at the end and is like... I'm going to continue to foment this. Because I... But, like, he's for real. Like, mm-hmm. he's an asshole. And is for real into this. The witchcraft is real and these assholes need to die. Uh... Yeah. Spider-Man's like, that sucks. And he breaks out. Um... Yeah, I he mean, ri- I really he wish rips this... the huh. He rips the shackles out of the wall. Uh, he proceeds. To, he proceeds to give these people in the prison with him all the evidence that he is, in fact, a supernatural force. Which I guess he is, but like he he tears the shackles off of himself, both the chains and the actual bindings then he goes over and wakes vision up and he's like vision smack smack and he tears vision's chains off and he's like get up and vision's like oh wanda wanda won't come too okay fine clearly you're still a fucking demon like you just ripped the chains out of the walls and then he's like all right i'm gonna go get Spider-Man's like, I'm going to go get the guard out of the way. You take care of your wife. I'll be right back. He goes and deals with the guard. Wanda still won't wake up. Vision's like... He's like... Spider-Man's like, hey, we got to go. Vision's like, I'm not leaving her. One of the... Proctor... Or John Proctor's wife is like, I'll... I'm John Proctor's wife. That was hilarious to me. She identifies herself as I am John Proctor's wife. And it's like, you got a name? (laughs) I'm gonna, I mean, call it, I'm gonna call you Karen until you correct me. That cool? All right. Um, you know, it was 1692. It was Puritans. Like I would have loved it. Like that would have been hilarious. If Spider-Man was like, I mean, you got a name. You know what? Um, 
They go to leave, and Vision straight walks through the fucking wall, and they're yeah. all just like falling out. Just like, oh my god. They actually are Satan. Motherfuckers just walk through a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, they leave Wanda in the care of John Proctor and his wife until she wakes up. They're like, hey, you coming? And Proctor's like, you know, if we leave, uh, then all that will do is prove to them that we have something to hide. The best thing we can do is stay here and on and on, which that always sounds great in theory, but like you get hanged. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there is the official, that is now the official stance of this, uh, of this podcast, if you are in prison and you have a chance to escape, take it. Yeah, I guess. Tell them we told you it's okay. Anyway. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that's morally compromising in some way. I'm just real tired. Not not coming up with it. It's morally compromising in several ways. Cool. Um, <laughs> so they, they follow Mather, or they f- make their way out into the woods where they find cotton mather talking to the dark rider uh and in the course of things like you get a little bit of kind of what they're planning and ostensibly all of this is cotton mather was empowered by this dark rider hence how he was able to blast the vision out of the sky um in order to collect witches and put them on trial in order to feed his power. Of course, this is all predicated upon the idea that there were actual witches in Salem and that it wasn't all political and, uh, you know, just a fervor springing, a, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm real done with this issue. Uh, so Vision freaks out over the fact that they're talking about basically feeding on Wanda and he begins to attack, um, Spider-Man is like, Spider-Man gets involved and he is about to, he's about to be just like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm from, and somebody interrupts him and tells him, do not tell him where you came from. Everybody turns around. It's Doctor Doom. Ooh. Marvel team up number 43. Yep. Uh, So Doom shows up and... uh, Oh, jeez. We do Salem Wish Trial stuff for so long. It is. It's such a long time. This is the third of four issues specifically about the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, man. So, um, so yeah. So, Doom shows up and confronts the Dark Rider, who knows Doom's whole deal. And Doom is just like, how do you know all of this? And blah, blah, blah. Cotton Mather, who, uh, I will give credit 
if not for loyalty for fervor um because he proceeds to start proclaiming uh doom the savior that he'd been waiting for and so <laughs> Uh, the Dark Rider's just like, you can have Mather, I don't care, I'm done with him. He's done what he's supposed to do, and Doom is like, I don't fucking want this guy, and like, slaps <laughs> him aside. Um, what? But, this? This thing, this is clearly insane. I don't want it. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's this whole thing, like, Mather has a bird and a cat with him that he uses to attack people. The bird attacks first, and Vision and Spider-Man fight the bird. I think that may have been at the last end of the last issue, but whatever. Uh, this time around, it's a cat um, that it, he makes grow in size, uh, and Spider-Man and Vision are trying to fight it, and it's not going well, but then it gets blasted by the Scarlet Witch. Um, so, yeah. Um... All of this winds up just feeding the Dark Rider, who starts getting bigger. Um, and, yeah. Uh, the way, the way in which the Dark Rider is affected or not affected doesn't seem to make a whole lot of goddamn sense. But, whatever. So, uh, we switch to the town, and John Proctor and everybody are brought before brought to trial and uh proctor's just like yeah this is all bullshit i'm not a i'm not a witch i don't uh follow satan and blah 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 um at which point the young girls start wigging out and they're like look a thing has appeared above the judge and um and they're all like i didn't see anything you didn't nobody saw anything and one of the judge, one of the girls is like, it must have been him. It was above his head. He's a witch too. And one of the judges gets accused and run out of the courtroom. Yeah, it's mm. it's more. Um, so, uh, Doom is fighting the Dark Rider, uh, and it's not going well because it's like this is why I say it's weird. It's like everything that. Vision and Doom throw at him that's from, like, a scientific standpoint, he absorbs. Then at one, then at this point, Scarlet Witch, uh, attacks him and is able to stun him with a hex bolt, but then he just starts absorbing magic. And so it's like, is there anything here he can't absorb? If he started absorbing Spider-Man's webbing, I would not be surprised at this point. I mean, but, he, he, he starts absorbing all of it. Yeah. Uh, so he's... The Dark Rider uh, manages to take them all out in fairly short order. Like, Doom and Scarlet Witch are both down and out. Uh, and Spider-Man and Vision are uh, done for. Yep. Which brings us to number f- Marvel Team-Up number 44. Um in the present, uh, Moondragon is standing on the roof of Avengers Mansion, and she's having, like, visions and portents uh, plaguing her. And uh, 
Iron Man comes up and he's like, you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, all right. I mean, you can, like, nobody's so, going to intrude on your brooding. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. And uh, so she's like, I just, this is the most compassionate I think I've ever seen Iron Man. <laughs> because he's like, you doing all right? Yes, I'm fine. All right, well, you look like you're having yourself a good brood. Uh, Avengers are entitled to their privacy. I'll talk to you later. And yeah. he just paces out. It's real weird. <laughs> but uh, she then, she is then magically pulled into 1692. Because yep. uh, fuck it. Because uh, <laughs> there aren't any rules. She comes across the Dark Rider who has everybody, like, lined up on a table. Except for Doctor Doom, who's in a bubble that's, like, tied to the... Like, it's connected to the Dark Rider somehow. So, like, they're pulling all of the energy out of Vision, Spider-Man, and Wanda into... Putting it into Doom, because Doom can hold more... And then from Doom into the Dark Rider, and I hate this story. Yeah. So, uh, the Dark Rider gives Cotton Mather a dagger, and he's just like, "Kill him!" <laughs> and uh, and uh, Cotton Mather at this point is just like, ha, "Okay." Uh, yeah, so, he's clearly like right there on the edge. Like, yeah, he's like, he's, I am. He's, if I see one more weird, fucked up thing tonight that questions my personal understanding of reality, I'm out. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Moondragon shows up and blasts the Dark Rider. Um, when the Dark Rider and Moondragon face off, then Moondragon winds up mind-linked with him and learns basically what the Dark Rider's whole deal is. Fun fact... He's a wizard alien. Um, and he like, learn, he learn, Moondragon learns Dark Rider's uh, whole deal. And when the mind block breaks, she's like, fucking really? <laughs> he is the last of this race of sorcerer aliens. All of the others were hunted down and like uh killed and like their souls put in boxes and shit whatever it's like that's fucking um, eberron really you you're gonna mine D D shit that hasn't even been written yet really come on yeah don't be that way uh has it not been written uh well the main game is already written but i don't think like the eberron stuff is written in 76 okay well anyway so um the others start to come to and uh, break Doom out of his his hamster ball. And uh, they each they each try and attack him individually. And then it's just like, wait, we need to attack him all at once. So, uh... And it's Spider-Man that comes up with it because it's Spider-Man's book and we gotta have it. Right, of course. So, they all start piling on... Which I I find it kind of funny because basically it's what it amounts to then is like Vision shooting power out of him 
power at him out of his eye beams and like solar gem and like uh moon dragon doing mind stuff and Wanda with her hexes and Doom with magic and science and then Spider Man's just like and I'll kick him <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> but uh it works. The Dark Rider is destroyed. Um and Cotton Mather's tenuous grasp on reality is broken and he just fucking loses it. Yeah. Uh so it's at this point Doctor Doom's like, Alright, well, I guess when we meet again, it will be his foes later. <laughs> Regular and activates, doom shit. Bye. <laughs> activates the time circuitry in his armor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the others are like, okay, let's hop on the platform and head back. And Spider-Man's like, wait. And so he tries to run back to the town and uh wait i gotta go try to stop that man that i know is doomed to be hanged from being hanged right it's like dude this is how we get terminators (laughs) like what are you doing don't mess with time this is how you get a baby with like a time face yeah Uh, but whatever uh but he's too late fuck you for trying spider-man and you also missed your ride idiot Fuck you for trying. Marvel team-up number 45 is colored by George Russo's, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Gene Izzo. Uh, so Spider-Man's, like, sad and everything. And uh, Spider-Man's like, uh, okay, well, time to go. Okay, but then, so I guess a little background on, like, the way that I read this week. I didn't have this these first five issues at first because reasons or when i started reading and so i started reading in 46 where it's it like gives you a quick rundown of what happened and i was like cool we're gonna get kill raven that's wacky let's do this and then we get kill raven and then i get fucking five issues of this bullshit and then one issue of kill raven yeah not a happy camper yep all right but moving on sorry um, so Spider-Man's like, all right, they send the, they sent the platform back for him. So he hops on the platform and starts to come home. However, there is a time storm, uh, which causes him to land in the year 2019. How fucking depressing is that? Um, but okay, so he arrives. If you could have our 2019 that we're living in now or the kill raven 2019 with the martian tripods and the death robots and all that kill raven 2019 okay that's what i thought i mean don't get me wrong it sucks (laughs) but at least there's no donald trump there's a there are rules and the rules are move or die. <laughs> <laughs> there are rules, but like you know, at least the Martians aren't colluding with foreign powers. Uh, anyway, some so, of the humans are colluding. Never fuck it. Moving on. But no, I'm not going to say that because that's a trip for, or that's a visit from the Secret Service. Anyway, yes, I was going to make a joke. It doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so, 
the he winds up in the year 2019 and is plopped down right as Kill Raven is being attacked by Martian tripods. He helps Kill Raven. They they deal with some shit. Whatever. Um, so, so Kill Raven is initially like, "Oh shit, who the fuck are you?" But then he's like, "Well, wait a minute. You helped me kill some Martians. You're clearly on the level." This is dangerous thinking for a member of the resistance. Just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, but Kill Raven, I'm Kill Raven's a little quick to trust, and it's that exact reason that this revolution fails. Oh, and yeah. we're um, they do a good job with this. Like, okay, so. If if team up is occasionally meant to make the reader go, oh, like it's supposed to make you go like I'm reading this for Spider Man, but if occasionally it makes you think about who the guest star is and wonder what the fuck their deal is and maybe I'll go buy their book, like that's kind of what team ups for, right? Yeah. This is the first time that I feel like it's doing a very good job. Yeah, because we're not reading any of Amazing Adventures. Like we yeah. only read those first two issues, two if or three. That. Yeah, it was pretty. It was real quick, and like now he's got like clearly he's got a whole cast of characters around him, and yeah, a, like a love interest, and some of these people are green. Like, yeah, I I'm it's doing a very good job of ba- making me be like. Well, maybe in my free time I'll go try to find these. Yeah. Because maybe this story's good. It could be. Uh, it's just doing a good job of selling me on it. So. Yeah. The, the part it does the best, like, the thing that it, the part that sells it the best is, so they beat the tripods, but and they're talking to each other, but they get snuck up on by these other random assholes who tether and gas them. While they're gassed, they have parallel hallucinations, you find out, wherein Killravens, he's met by someone who is calling themselves... Volcana Ash. Who, he's like, but you can't be here. You're with Adam and Eve, who are clearly other characters in his book, searching for your sister, and that means that you're not here what and like he has to murder her which he clearly like cares for her and yeah. during peter's hallucination he's he find the green goblin the goblin attacks him and it's but this time it's uh mary jane under the mask which yeah that's actually pretty good yeah uh, i will i will give him credit that's that's a really like he's still kind of he's still Norman's dead and Harry is ostensibly better. We obviously, with our massive future brains, we know that's not going to stay the case. But, um, but, but he's, yeah, you know, uh, and with having lost Gwen, the idea of Mary Jane now becoming Green Goblin. I think is something that even as a hallucination would fuck him up. 
Um, he gets over so, it, like, because it's fucking team-up. Like, if this were the kind of thing that happened in Amazing, this would fuck him up for the rest of the issue, right? Like, and then some. Yeah. Like, he'd probably kind of pull back from Mary Jane somewhat. And, and, and just uh, as an idea, he'd, it'd fuck him up. But, like, yeah. he get because this is goddamn team-up and we gotta go, is... He's just like, well, that would have sucked. Okay, good. And we move the fuck on. I'm like, ah, right. man, you assholes. Uh, kill Raven's vision or hallucination is all about having to kill this woman that he clearly cares about. Um, blah, blah, blah. Turns out that while they were hallucinating, they were actually kicking the shit out of the people that had captured them. Uh, yep. So... I'm glad this story's over because it's over now. Yeah, like, like it's literally they 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 realize that in the course of this they've been kicking the shit out of their captors, and then Kill Raven's like, "So do you want to stay and or do you want to come and join my group?" And Spider Man's like, "Well, <coughs> I would, but I got to get back to where I belong." So he hops on the time platform, and that's that. Which brings us to Marvel Team-Up number 46. What? I'm just so pissed that, like, we did four fucking issues of Salem when this would have been so much better if it had this any would have time been at all to breathe. So much better. Well, the thing, the thing about it is, like, stories that involve traveling to the past generally wind up Either you know what's going to happen and we've got to make sure that it happens and blah. Yeah. Or you travel to the past, somebody changes something, and that then becomes the jumping off point for, you know, fixing whatever they did. Either fixing Um, whatever they did or putting up with whatever they changed in your present. Right. Um, Whatever the case may be. Traveling to the future is a lot more interesting because it gives you a lot more to do, and there are there are a lot fewer consequences in terms of if something happens that you know is consider could be considered a huge deal worldwide, like that can actually happen without it being a fucking thing. Like, yeah, it just but... gives them so much more freedom, and they fucking squander it. Like this, well, and the other thing they they did do that was a little neat was they kind of try to explain in dialogue that this is a parallel, like reality. Yeah, it's not Spider-Man's normal continuity, and they they do so in an interesting way that is cool, but it doesn't actually do the thing that they're trying to do. Which mm-hmm. is, Spider-Man's like, wait a minute, this is 2019? And he's like, yep, Martians. Fucking sucks, right? And Spider-Man's like, well then what the shit... If everyone I know or care about is going to be killed by Martians in 30 years, what am I doing any of this for? And Kel Raven's like, well, hold on. Like, you still do it because you love them. Like, that's why we do things. Because... Yeah. Because we do them. And he's like, that's when they're in the middle of that, like him having a bit of a oops breakdown. And 
that's when they get attacked by the fools. But yeah, you're right. They just fucking squandered the shit out of both of these issues. Forty six. Well, and what what really sucks is I was trying to, in doing my notes, I was trying to confirm that it was actually 2019 that this supposedly takes place. And in doing so, yeah, I accidentally, because if you read the, if you read the, uh, the timeline of this earth, since it is, um, the, since it is the same timeline as Guardians of the Galaxy, the future of it is written. And the future of it is not good. The no. Martians, the Martians leave in 2075, but not because Kill Raven succeeds or anything like that. They leave because they've used up everything on Earth, and so. And then the Badoon show up and fucking crush everything else. Later, uh, yeah, later on, what what winds up what winds up happening is basically like. The Martians leave in 2075, and then Earth is kind of shit for a while. It, it, like, there's techno barons that take it over, and it's feudalism all over again. And then eventually, like, humanity starts getting its shit together again, spreads to the rest of the planets in the solar system. Uh, the work, uh, the work of previous scientists is rediscovered and then eventually they find a way to spread even further beyond that and so on and so forth and then the Badoon show up (laughs) and murder most everyone and it's just like we (laughs) so whatever uh let's go ahead and take a break and we'll pick back up with uh marvel team up number 46 hooray Uh, trying to get my Halloween costume together. I just have one last piece to get. And uh, then I can be Fat Thor. Uh, well, I'm doing I'm doing Thor in Endgame. Sure. Uh, when he goes to Asgard. So, this blue hoodie... Yeah. Is part of it. Uh, pajama pants. Uh, I've ordered a Mjolnir. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've got a blonde wig. Um, I wish my beard were longer, but yeah. oh well. And, uh, yeah, so I just need to order the red robe. But that's it. That's all I... Uh, that's all uh, the only part left because the hammer is bought ostensibly. So that should be, if not on its way, pretty close to. Um, yeah, it's a resin. It's a resin replica of Mjolnir, so it's not going to be plastic. But it's still relatively, uh, it was like 50, 50 bucks. Yeah. 
So hopefully it gets here in time. We um it's supposed to, but you know, fuck who knows. Anyway, we're back. We're back. Hooray. Uh so we start back up with Marvel team up number 46. Uh, which is colored by Petra Goldberg and John, and lettered by John Costanza. Sorry. Um, Spider-Man begin, or continues his mini jaunt through time, uh, winding up in a different place, uh, where New York is still pretty wrecked. And, uh, he is, he's wandering through when he, finds Deathlock, uh, who is about to shoot a bunch of uh, seeming teenagers uh, who are gathered in in what remains of Times Square. Um, He jumps on Deathlock and stops him from killing them, uh, not realizing that the, uh, the people that Deathlock was about to shoot are basically hive-minded, cannibalistic mutants. So, uh... Deathlock is cool, guys. <laughs> Do what? Deathlock is cool, guys. <laughs> um, but the realizing that they were coming under attack, the mutants then attack them. Uh, Spider-Man and Deathlock fight them off. Uh, Deathlock kills one of them. Spider-Man incapacitates another. Blah, blah, blah. Um, after the fight is over, they then have a chance to talk, at which point uh, Spider-Man finds out he is 15 years in the... Sorry. 15 years in the future of his own timeline, ostensibly. Um, though... As we've as we've discussed previously, Cap works with Deathlock to prevent this future from occurring, so it winds up becoming a, an alternate future. Uh, well, it was a possible future before, then it became an alternate timeline, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, Spider-Man's Spider-Man do, basically. Uh, attempts to google his own name here and is just like so do you know who i am <laughs> and uh death likes death flock is like no but also like my mind was kind of tampered with when i was uh when they were building this shit so that doesn't necessarily mean anything but no i have never heard of you and uh so yeah um they they make their way along and uh what winds up what winds up happening is that there are these two dudes who are who have been sent to destroy deathlock so they're in this little it's like behind a an advertisement they're in times square they try to snipe him, but Spider-Man realizes it's happening and uh, saves his life. Um, 
in the pro at which point the dudes just straight open fire and the uh teenager that spider-man was carrying is now shot all to hell um so spider-man swings up and proceeds to smash his way in and starts beating this beating the shit out of one of them um and uh <clears throat> the other the other guy uh gets ready to shoot spider-man when deathlock shows up and puts a hole in him uh it's then that the teenage hi the hive mind teenage cannibalistic mutants show up <laughs> with their, it sounds like a shitty b movie like uh, yeah, it, the it's hive like I was, cannibalistic I was a teenage, teenage hive. <laughs> I was a teenage hive mind cannibalistic mutant. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the upshot is they come back and they've got this leader uh, who's wearing a costume uh, for no apparent reason other than to mark him out as the leader of these weirdos. Um, they. They deal with them, and the costumed leader winds up being left behind. Uh, Spider-Man pulls off the mask, and uh, he's a really young dude. Um, and Spider-Man's just like, how can you be so callous about killing? And it's just kind of like, Peter, look, this isn't... None of this these is people a count. horrible... Well, no, it's just, it's a horrible future with hive-minded, cannibalistic teenage mutants. Like, <coughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be bad. Yeah, like, you don't, I'm not, look, all things being equal, killing is bad. But, like, you don't get upset with the cast of The Walking Dead when they murder a dude who's trying to murder them. Because the rules are different. Like... That's just the way it is. Morality changed. Yeah. Yeah. Like morality and principles. I'm, I'm not saying they're worthless, but by the same token, your morality and principles could wind up getting you killed. If this is the world you're living in. Like, yeah. So also, if you have access to the time platform, why didn't you just leave? Yeah, whatever. Cause team up. But, uh, so yeah, so Deathlock is just like, I'm going to take the fight to Striker, which pretty sure we already saw that, but whatever. I thought so too. Um, I was like, wait a minute, I thought he killed him. Whatever. Uh, but then the way the guys, the way that the dudes, the snipers were talking also made it seem like some of the stuff... Because it was like, okay, so the way that the snipers were talking made it seem like all the stuff we'd read before had already happened. Because at the mm-hmm. end of that, he'd had a falling out with the CIA, right? Yeah. And then the way that Deathlock talks about taking it to Stryker made some of what we'd read before seem like it hadn't happened, so... I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and look. I didn't have a chance to... Um... I mean, but, I yeah, don't really advise it. 
Those weren't great. Well, yeah, but I still I just want to make sense of what's going on. So anyway, Spider-Man hops in the time platform and heads on home. Yep. Um, and we're kind of we're kind of left with a with a uh, quantum quantum leap type. Hopefully, this is the one that takes him home. But no, he he does. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1, number 16, is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Dan Adkins, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Karen Mantlo. Um, Reed Richards picked up some weird stuff going on that there's, like, volcanoes that are going to cause problems. And so Reed heads off to the Arctic, and he, and he sends Ben on down to the Antarctic, to uh get the skinny on the whole thing i yeah he gives him some fucking instruments and he's like go go do the go figure out the volcanoes ben go get the readings for me at this point in time we're still kind of doing the the savage land is hidden underground thing yeah instead and... of it being on the surface of and Antarctica. just kind of marked out yeah. by alien technology. It's it's underground, and I really hate it when they do that. Um, who wrote this? For a number of reasons, it was Bill Mantlo. Is he was the one? Is he the Hollow Earther? No, that's Roy Thomas. Okay, I'm always gonna um, forget that. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's. I don't like it because a, it's a. Uh, it's the obligatory, like, ooh, the earth is hollow uh, thing that I really don't like. But also, it is, um, it's also just the fact that um, I don't really like hollow earth stories from a story standpoint either. Um, because they usually, they usually have to contrive some explanation for how there's like a sky and weather and it's just dumb. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so the thing winds up in the Savage Land and he's attacked by an Allosaurus. And as he fights the Allosaurus, Kazar and Zabu are like, an Allosaurus has found a meal, but it's apparently a fight. Let's go watch. <laughs> and when they get there, they discover uh, that it's the thing. Oh, shit, it's the thing. And, and the things, he goes and helps. And things like, I thought you were in London now. And Kazar's like, I go back and forth. And then they're beset by a different army. And Kazar's like, hey, also, the fuck are you doing here? And things like, oh, yeah, I uh, read sent me about the volcanoes you, you got any weird volcano shit and Kazar's like actually now that you mention it a giant fucking there volcano there is some weird volcano shit <laughs> so they go over to the vo weird volcano shit and find some guys do not worry they will not be important to the plot in any way they were yeah they are enterprising goons who work for a dude called Volcanus 
Is that right? Well, yeah. The thing is, they do have, they do have, to do with the overarching plot of the two-in-one story. Because these guys are working for Basilisk. They are. I thought they yeah. were just here. Nope. All the volcano shit is Basilisk. All the volcano shit is Basilisk. I thought they were here, like trying to hedge in on some of the energy being created by the volcanoes. Pretty sure they're working for it. Like, the impression I got from the next issue is that Basilisk was, like, involved with them. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, it's it's a guy named Volcanus. Uh, they kick his ass. Yeah. That's, he, there's... he is trying to become a supervillain. Yeah. Like, that's his plan. Um, he puts Thing and Kazar... In an iron cage over the volcano. But of course they get out. Because it's the fucking thing. Like you don't. You don't put the thing. Like if it were just Kazar. Sure okay. But putting the thing in a regular cage. Regardless of where it's hanging. Is just fucking stupid. He's going to find a way out of that. Uh, anyway. So. Yeah, they battle, and then Volcanus gets his wish, uh, in that he goes into the he goes into it, he goes into the volcano, and he dies like a little bitch. Um, Marvel two and one number seventeen um, is penciled by Sal Bashima, inked by Mike Esposito and Dave Hunt, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and Gene Hip. Uh, it's here that uh, Spider-Man finds his way back, and he's a little loopy, can't really remember what he experienced in the future, which is really weird. Um, but whatever. Uh, he something, he decides to head on home. I thought it what? said something effective like... I thought there was a narrative box that's like... Okay, no, it's just Kill Raven and Deathlock. But even they... Yeah, there's a narrative box that's like... Uh, even Kill Raven and Deathlock shake their heads and slowly lose touch with a dream. Like, so even they forget their experience with Spider-Man. Which is just fucking weird. Anyway. <laughs> um, sure. So he decides to head home. Uh, Thing, still in the Savage Land, uh, makes his way through a cavern, um, and it's there that he runs into Basilisk. Uh, they have a, they have a bit of a fight, um, and it's, it's whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh... Back in New York, Peter is sitting there trying to work on homework, and he's just like, man, finals are coming up, and I just can't focus on any of this. Um, then there's... An MJ. Then there's an, earth, then there's an earthquake, and he's like, what the fuck was that? And MJ calls him and is like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, she's like, because the news said that it was worst in your area. And she's like... He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, look out the goddamn window, Peter. Seriously. Yeah. Why do I date you? What is wrong What is wrong with me? And he looks out the window. 
big fucking volcano in the middle of the Hudson. Which is a good question. Like, <laughs> at the, at this point in time, like... Why do I date you? You're worthless. What the fuck? Peter is not so good a boyfriend that it makes all the other shit worthwhile if you don't know he's Spider-Man. Like, once you know... Once somebody finds out he's Spider-Man, it's like, okay, it all makes sense. Like, yeah. But if you don't know that, he's just an asshole and not that good a boyfriend. But whatever. So... But we gotta have Peter secret identities. Because... Because that's just the way it works. That's you. You gaslight the people you love for no reason. Because at this point, it's not even to protect them. Like it doesn't. It's actively putting them in danger. <laughs> well, that in a, that's in the a thing. Few cases. It's, it's it's that's why I always loved back when back when Cracked did After Hours. Uh-huh. They did an episode about Spider Man, and it's just like yeah. It makes sense that you would keep your identity a secret from like everybody, but all you, it doesn't keep the people you love from coming into danger. All it means is that they're, when they're attacked by a tentacle rape cosplayer, they have no idea what's going on. And you're just like, oh, well, obviously it's because I'm Spider-Man, but they don't know. They just know that Dr. Octopus is after them for some fucking reason. <laughs> Anyway, um, but so Peter makes his way, like Peter leaves in the middle of the phone call, like doesn't even hang up. Yeah, he just drops She's just it. left talking to empty air. And so he, and he, in the course of things, he's like, I may swing over there. And she's like, what do you mean swing? And he's like, you know, the way people talk, the cool jargon people use, swing a Swing by a place, you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I just might go take some pictures is what I mean. Um, so he throws on his costume and heads out. Um, uses his webbing to get through some fires and uses it. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive the way he does this. He webs up like several small uh, pads to sort of leapfrog his way across and then gets to this volcano and at the top is basilisk who is holding up a the unconscious we i say unconscious basilisk thinks thing is dead but whatever you can't you can't check for a pulse on a rock monster that's just how it works um but yeah, so <laughs> you, sorry, I'm done. You done? I'm, I'm okay. done. I had a Mar- I had a B-52s moment. It was a uh, ro- rock monster. monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always love doing the uh, that guy's voice in those songs. He's just so he's just so happy about everything. Yeah. And sometimes I like to pretend that I am, too. <laughs> um, Marvel Team-Up, number 47, is written by Mil- B- Bill Mantlo. 
uh, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Dan Adkins, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Uh, they fight Basilisk the kind of tosses. Do what? They fight yeah, the basilisk and much. win? Like, yeah, there's some brief description of how he survived the last time when he was seemingly... So the last time Basilisk showed up, it was a two-parter wherein Spider-Man teamed up with Captain Marvel, then Mr. Fantastic. At the end of which, uh, Basilisk went after this other stone because he was created by the Alpha Stone. He tried to get the Omega Stone, was seemingly uh, lost in some lava trying to get it. But in fact, he was absorbed into the Omega Stone and survived. The Mole Man's Moloids carried him to a cavern where they tried to worship him. One came close enough that he was able to escape, blah, blah, blah. Uh, This led to the whole volcano situation. It doesn't matter. They they beat they beat Basilisk because of course he they do. Um, they, I mean, I'm looking he through it here into and I'm a like, volcano. is there anything that I'm missing? That's like no. no this is there. Oh, these are this is good. I guess the art in this issue is better than it has been most of this week so mm. far. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's he beats the basil. They beat the basilisk. It kind of looks like maybe they won't. <laughs> like that, the, that's uh, all that happens. The thing that I will say, I feel like this is an issue of Marvel Two and One that got kind of. Maybe there was a an issue with an issue of uh, Marvel Team Up, and as a result, they slotted an issue of Marvel Two and One into. Oh, you feel like uh, Thing is the the headliner in this book? Well, it's partly the creative team because um, Ron Wilson had had penciled the. Uh, first issue of Marvel 2-in-1 that we, we read this week. Um, so that's part of it. And I'm trying to... Re- I'm checking right now because I feel like there was one other thing. Um, but I'm trying to see if I imagined that. So bear with me for one moment. Um, but the fact that Ron Wilson penciled it uh, means that it was kind of a... a Um, kind of copy pasted from Marvel two uh, two and one as it was, but also oh yeah it's on here. Um, what was it forty six, forty six, forty seven is what forty seven. Um. If you if you go to the last page of Marvel Team Up number forty seven, 
Uh, it says next issue is the Scarecrow. Oh, it does. Who was in the next issue of two and Marvel one? Two and one. Yeah. So not team up. I yeah. So I kind of feel like that that suggests that maybe they they ran into a problem with a random issue of Marvel team up, and they were like, "We have this one ready. We can just kind of fudge it." So, huh? I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, but speaking, speaking of, of Scarecrow, Marvel Two and One Number Eighteen is written by uh, Bill Mantlo and Scott Edelman, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Jim Mooney and Dan Adkins, uh, colored by Hugh Paley, lettered by John Costanza and Ray Holloway. Um, ben is at a uh, swanky party with Alicia um, and we quickly find out that the reason and he's, he's there just being as absolutely boorish as possible well yeah the the thing about it is that yeah like I get the character is I don't really like fancy suits and parties and clothes um but it's for your girlfriend just like buck up and try not to be an ass for 45 minutes yeah and it'll be okay um, and the reason the reason he winds uh it turns out that the reason he is been dragged along by Alicia, who I I feel like at this point knows Ben well enough to know that um, it was like, yeah, he's not going to enjoy this, but he's also not um, going to enjoy the fact that I'm trying to, you know, enlist him into a goddamn mystery. Yeah. Uh, In the course of things, he is introduced to Dave and just Duncan. who have this painting of a scarecrow. Um, and it, turn, it turns out that there's a whole supernatural side to this whole thing um, that originally had to do with... Um, yeah, this whole thing is just... Dumb. It's like if we'd been reading Dead of Night, which no, <laughs> no, yeah. not no chance in hell. Um, we the one the one thing I will say <sighs> about reading Dead of Night is, a, I guess, the first appearance of the straw man as he because he's called Scarecrow here, but then there's also the villain that um, worked with Count Nefaria and other shit, and like went up against Iron Man. Uh-huh. So he, I guess, is referred to elsewhere as the straw man. Um, I guess Dead of Night had a cover by Gil Kane and Bernie Wrightson. Oh. Like, that's the main reason I'd be interested. But, um, whatever. The, uh... Well, it's on the Unlimited, up- motherfucker. You can read it. <sighs> okay. Well, <laughs> go for it. I don't know why you're being like this. No, I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know why. So, 
there's a whole thing about like there are, there is some sort of dark entity that's being held at bay and the straw man slash scarecrow is a guardian of the gateway between that world and this and the gateway itself is the painting and blah um yeah thing is thing is suitably thing has basically the same reaction to all of this that i do i thought i also it was slightly confusing because i thought this was the villain scarecrow when i first saw the cover but whatever so uh they kind of dave kind of recounts their history with this whole situation and uh how there was his brother as well um wait fuck i i'm having a hard time keeping track of these people so okay so there's dave who's the brother yes jess who's the other guy and then harmony who is his significant other yes okay my bad uh Dave shows up later, um, in like a, uh, cause they think he might be the, the scarecrow. Yeah. But whatever they, they kind of tell their history with the painting and all of this. Ben rejects it and, uh, is just like, whatever kind of realizes <sighs> he's being a dick um, I just love the fact that even when he's immediately after he told, he's told the story or they start telling him the story, he's like, look, man, I'm going to believe you. I've literally traveled through time. Like whatever you, I, I've met actual, I've met a man who's, whose dad is Satan. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to, whatever you got, I'm going to believe you. And then he, they tell him and he's like, that's too fucking wacky. No, uh, <laughs> like yeah. But you've met a man whose dad is Satan. Yeah. <clears throat> but what winds up happening is that um, some random party goer is turned into a fire thing, and. Uh, Starts wrecking the place. Thing comes in and fights it. Suddenly the straw man bursts through a window <laughs> and helps fight it and all this shit. Um, they defeat, they defeat the party goer come fire demon guy. Um, who then changes back to normal. However, the painting catch fi- catches fire. Um, so the scarecrow leaps into the painting as it's burning and they're all just like, holy shit, uh, where's Dave? And it's like, wait, the scarecrow went into the painting, but if Dave is the scarecrow, then Dave's, Dave went through there. Is the portal destroyed? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. What's going to happen? Who cares? Like, it shows up again, I guess, in Doctor Strange or whatever. Scarecrow does. Yeah, yeah. But I also really, really 
really don't care. Number 19 uh, is written by Tony Isabella and Bill Mantlo, uh, penciled by Sal Bushima, inked by Don Hack, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and uh, Karen Mantlo. Tigra breaks into the Baxter building in the middle of the night. Uh, No alarms are set off because Thing accidentally broke him. But she wakes up Thing and he's just like, ah, fuck you. And, uh, she kind of, she kind of runs through her origin story and tells him about the cat people and all that shit. Um, but the upshot of all of this is there was a robot of Tomazuma that was dist- that the thing had fought previously and destroyed. Um, and supposedly the null bands at war were destroyed as well but she's like yeah but can you really say that for certain and he's like no I guess not so um well I figured Reed must have but yeah you're right I don't know uh, yeah and it's like well, first of all don't trust Reed to clean up his mess never 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 there's still a prison in the negative zone <laughs> There's probably still people starving. <laughs> There's to death still people in, there. in that prison. Uh, um, but the upshot is they get attacked by these dudes who capture them and take them to the cougar. Um, the cougar, it turns out, is a cat person as well. What? No, nothing. No. <laughs> it just. This, I'm so very oh. Tigra story. I'm yeah, a, I'm thing, so much thing. Okay, so it turns out that Cougar has been using is he's engaged to the woman who runs the company, uh, but he's been using it as a front for all of his activities, all of this. Um, he is going to try and use the null bands to drain the thing of his energy. But then Sheila, the fiancé, turns off the power. Thing and Tigra break free. Uh, and then the cougar then turns into his catman form. They fight. Uh, and he tries to use this thing to kill them. But then he's shot by Sheila. And Sheila's like, I was using him. She's like, the company... I knew everything he was up to. Uh, but the company was in trouble and I thought my, I might be able to use him to kind of help us claw our way back and then I'd just fucking get rid of him. So, whatever. Hooray! <sighs> Alright. Okay. Incredible Hulk Annual Number 5. Um, I feel like we a lot of this we can burn through because a lot of it's fluff. That's all well, leading to yeah. It's like and then he fights, and then he blank, fights, and then this. he fights blank, and then yeah. So uh, Incredible Hulk Annual Number Five is written by Len Wein and Chris Claremont, penciled by Sal Bushima, inked by Jack Abel, colored by Glennis Wein, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, we see a shadowy figure who's like doing some shit, and uh, whoever it is is just like, all right, the Hulk is. 
you know, I'm going to destroy the Hulk. He was my oldest, most implacable enemy, and now I shall have my revenge. And uh, so he he has created uh, simulacra of uh, these five various beings and just starts throwing them at the Hulk. Um, the Hulk... <clears throat> winds up on some army proving ground um, and has a bit of a fight with soldiers. All soldiers, always soldiers. Why won't soldiers leave Hulk alone? Blah, blah, blah. But then he goes up against Diablo. And Diablo is a smoke monster. Um, all of these are from like the early uh, Marvel stories and so forth. It's yeah, fun. I Whatever. wasn't around when um, you guys were reading Tales of, of Suspense. So. Well, we never read that, read this early. Um, oh, all, okay. A lot of these monsters that show up in here, we never we never read their appearances. Okay. Uh, those were all well before. <laughs> um, so. Diablo's a smoke monster. You can't punch him. So Hulk does the obvious thing and disperses it with his finger well he he yells at it and the and diablo's just like oh oh you kind of blew off some bits there and then the hulk's like oh and starts like slamming his hands together yeah and uh yeah so then uh next up is taboo this weird monster made of sludge the th uh, they fight what go ahead no keep going i i, I can hold on to that they fight in a river, um, and it's it's like uh, Taboo tries to encase him, and as it solidifies, just suffocate him to death, uh, but then the Hulk breaks out of it, um, and what winds up happening is the Hulk like hits the ground under the riverbed so that it creates a whirlpool and then anchors himself in the silt, and Taboo starts being pulled down. Taboo's like, help me! And the Hulk is like, just anchor yourself like I am. And he's like, I have no bones! <laughs> and, uh... Help me! Why? Please! Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then he encounters Groot. Yep. Uh, the thi so, the thing about it is, this is not Groot. Which is to say, there is a difference between the Groot you encounter in this and, like, the first, the quote-unquote first appearance of Groot. That is King Groot, okay? The Groot that is a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy is of the same race, but is not this same specific Groot. So let's get that out of the way now. Um, okay. I yeah. think I knew that, uh, but I know that like, like Nerdist, Nerdist News, the YouTube channel back when like uh, Guardians one or two was coming out, they did a rundown on Groot, and they were like, he used to be able to talk, and it's like, uh, I don't think that's right, but like the common well, no, he did. Well, he did but because like, King Groot and this Groot are different Groots. Well, but here, but here's the thing: in Annihilation, when 
the Guardians of the Galaxy Groot first showed up, he spoke, and he spoke in complete sentences. He was a haughty prick. And then they changed that. Hmm. So, the thing, the thing about it is, the Groot that appears in Guardians of the Galaxy first appeared in Annihila- Annihilation Conquest Star-Lord number one. And in that, he spoke and was generally a prick. Um, and then at a certain point, they changed that to the I am Groot that we all know and love, depending on the day. Um, Moving on, he fights Groot. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Groot also, this Groot has some control over plants and trees. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, he, he, he beats him. He beats him with a yeah. rock. Like, he beats him to death mm-hmm. with a rock. This Groot, yeah. like, Groot's the least interesting fight out of all of them. It, it Well, yeah, Groom's real it bad. Um, yeah. So, after he beats Groot, and all that's left is a bit of trunk, and, uh, so then he battles Goom, um... And Goom can fly and uses this condenser that he uses to shrink uh, the Hulk. But that doesn't matter because the Hulk is still the strongest there is. So he defeats Goom. Uh, and then and then finally, the last of these uh, opening acts is Blip, who is an electric electricity creature uh hulk of course thinks that zach's i mean i don't blame him like why wouldn't you right um but then hulk winds up shorting him out and so on and so finally zemnu is uh, zemnu is revealed as the villain and he's just like fine i'll fucking do it myself uh and he he is able to defeat the Hulk initially um, and bring him back to his base because the Hulk is sort of worn out from all of these fights. And he's um, been, well, he's been draining energy off of him for mm-hmm. each fight. Like, because, like, at the end of every fight, Hulk says something about being tired and feeling mm-hmm. more tired. The, the thing I was going to say is throughout the opening acts, one thing that I will give this sequence is like every time he figures out how to beat the bat the the monster he's just like okay fuck yeah let's do this like there's no mercy like yeah uh just pummeling the shit out of Groot or when Taboo's like help me and he's like you tried to kill me no and yeah yeah I, I like that but it's a real minor thing so they fight yeah. the Titan in him, Zemnu the Titan in him fight, and it's it's also sucks. The army's been tracking the Hulk the whole time. It's half the reason that Hulk gets out or gets free. What do you got? Uh, Zemnu tries to get away, um, and constructs like a bubble for yeah. himself. But Hulk grabs hold of it. They come out of the base, and it turns out they're underwater. 
and the army has been tracking all of this. They're now on this dam. And uh, Hulk and Zemnu pop out of the the uh, lake that's been created by the dam and proceed to have their little tussle on top of the dam, which destroys part of the dam, uh, and they are both swept away. Hulk comes to and heads off, and Zemnu is uh, gone. We don't know where, but it's comics. Nobody's ever really dead. Especially um, not when they're awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible Hulk, number 194, is written by Len Wein, penciled by Sal Bushima, inked by Joe Staten, colored by Glynis Oliver. I guess that's Glynis Wein, probably. Uh, lettered by John Costanza. The, uh, the Hulk is wandering around. Uh, we get another thing about how much Hulk likes beans, which actually, I think, Daniel Kibblesmith recently brought up in a random issue. Oh, really? There was like a readout on somebody had drawn like a diagram of the Hulk and like under likes was beans. Nice. Um, and somebody pointed out that it was the it was a throwback to the issue with the uh, the one the one hobo Cracker and Jack. Uh, Cracker Jack. But uh, but yeah, so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of homeless dudes. Uh, and one of them's just like stocks, fucking stocks. I tell you, yeah. The, and, the, uh, the narrative box makes is like they used to be kings of industry or captains of industry, and then like their accountants fucked them. Like, okay, all right. I uh, I'm cur- I'm genuinely curious to know because. Popular culture is constantly making a thing of, like, rich people who suddenly find themselves destitute. And I'm genuinely curious to know how many times that's happened in the last, I don't know, 50 years? You know, if it happened a lot during the 70s recession, like, let's, if, they made damn well sure it was never going to happen again. Like the rich, well, yeah. the, the rich that survived that recession, if it happened at all, then the rich that survived that recession were like, "That's not fucking happening again. We will put in place systems and securities where money just continues to be, and I'll be rich forever." Yeah, I. And it's I one of those things. Them. I I. I know it's something that no doubt happened during the depression and stuff like that, but I, I am genuinely curious to know how many rich people have actually since then literally lost everything. Um, because I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so Hulk shows up and they're like, Oh yeah, I didn't run. And so he eats all their beans. Um, and falls asleep, reverts to Bruce Banner. Bruce wakes up and hitchhikes his way uh, further on. He's picked up by this dude, Bob, and his wife, Carol. I like um, Bruce in this because he wakes up and it's like, he's so, like, over it. 
he's just like, oh, where am I this time? Like, he doesn't yeah. even seem put out. He's just like, fuck. Guess yeah. I'll find a road. Banner. Banner is. Yeah, he's like an alcoholic here in that he's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> Let's see if I can figure out where I am, whether I have any money left. <laughs> like, um, but he's picked up by Bob and Carol and Alice and. No, uh, they're and Bob they're and real Carol. sketchy immediately, and they're like, "I don't think we should have picked him up. He'll find out." And yeah. he, Bruce is like, "I can, I can hear you. I know that it's a convertible, but like you're, you don't, you're not whispering as loud as you or as quietly as you think. What have you done?" <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's weird that banners the one on this end of the conversation for once uh, yeah so i'm usually the one doing what you're doing which is whispering to a friend about how we shouldn't have picked you up so what is going on and they get yeah. to a small town and it's fucking barricaded and it looks yeah. like uh a nightmare yeah uh it's all barricaded up and they're let into the town and people are like, well, you know, once it go, once the sun goes down, the shit gets weird. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, no, really, what the fuck is happening? What, yeah. are, where, what is going on? Meanwhile, back at Hulkbuster base, holy shit, we haven't read Hulk in a while. Like, yeah. I literally went, wait, when was that? And had to, I didn't even look, but it was, it was a while ago that we read yeah. Hulk. Because uh, Hulkbuster base is still destroyed from the fight with the fucking Rhino, which feels like that was a year ago. And uh, then Samson Samson shows up, back up, and is like, I blew it. You don't have to be nice about it. I blew it. And I was like, what did you blow? Oh, yeah, you went after him. And then yeah. you had a fight in New York? Jesus Christ. So like, yep, yeah, and Quartermain's an asshole to him, and he's like, "Okay, let me tell you some shit." But then a then a soldier comes up, and they're like, "Hey, so we found something." Um, dun dun dun. They uh, so we switch back. It turns out that Carol's dad is a Looney Tune. Uh, they married without his permission. Who gives a shit? Uh, and now that he's out of jail, he is on the warpath. Bob was a farmer. Carol was an etymologist. Bob's farm was destroyed. Uh, and so they fled. Uh, and since then, there's just been a, a, a path of destruction behind them as they fled from whatever it was. Uh, it's at this point that a bunch of locusts descend on the town and uh, they're just they're doing their best, but uh, they're fucked. So Banner steps off to the side and gets himself good and worked up and turns into the Hulk. And they're like, oh, shit, the Hulk is working with the locusts. <laughs> um, and Hulk is like, why is people? Why is bugs? This is bullshit. And just loses. So it. he he kind of he 
kind of drives off the locusts initial you know the first wave of locusts at which point the locust who previously appeared in x-men uh shows up and it turns out that's carol's father so the locust and the hulk fight and the locust like enlarges various various bugs to fight the hulk uh however carol winds up in the crossfire um and he's like oh shit and tries to help her but the hulk like the hulk thinks that he's pointing his gun at him so he like kind of offhandedly backhands the locust destroying the gun and so the locust is like oh no not only can i not do anything to save her directly i can't control the bugs at all anymore so bob steps in and tries to fight this giant praying mantis to save carol and it's at that point that the locust is just like oh my god they they actually do love each other i'm completely in the wrong here um the hulk manages to deal with the rest of the bugs and is getting ready to turn uh the locust into a thin paste when carol steps in and she's like no no look it's okay um it's my dad we're we're set here um and hulk is like fine whatever uh and leaves um and so the last thing we see in this issue is back at back at hulkbuster base samson quartermain and uh ross are all standing around um and uh it turns out that what they found in the rubble of hulkbuster base was the abomination while he was out they operated on him and implanted a bomb in his head um which this is such a stupid fucking like this whole arrangement is just stupid because if you're the abomination on everyone's part (laughs) you know they're not gonna just turn the bomb off like you're too dangerous to have walking around especially now that you've said oh you're now on the list (laughs) like after you deal with the hulk they have no reason not to go ahead and blow up your head uh and on the part of ross this is stupid because it's the fucking abomination like you should just blow up his head just yeah you should have once you had his head open you should have just stomped and stomped and stomped (laughs) like anyway um stop trying to weaponize monsters against the hulk it always blows up in your face what are you doing seriously stop it what are you doing uh so ross and jameson really need to get into like a support group together yeah they do like you know a group from idiot men who continually create their own monsters it's just like uh hello (laughs) my my name is jonah and i'm a monster holic hi jonah it's been i i fell off the wagon again (laughs) I created a new scorpion that was a bit of an accident Um, I thought I was making a hero this time turns out you can't you can't do that with psychos Um, so but I you know 
the first step is to forgive yourself <laughs> and move on and try not to do it again, right? And it's All just right. Ross <laughs> sitting there being like, no, you do it again. No. <laughs> He's a menace. <laughs> That's right. He is a menace. Spider-Man is a menace. Oh, God. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I want the support group That's now. so much better than the bullshit we've been reading. <laughs> oh, my God. It is. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll do these two issues of Fantastic We're back. We're back. Uh, we are now into Fantastic Four number 166. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is written by Roy Thomas. Who again? Flat Earther. Uh, penciled by George <laughs> no, Perez. Wait. Flat Earther or Hollow Earther? Hollow Earther. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. Hollow Earther. Uh... Penciled by... I wonder if there is anybody in the comic industry offhand who is a flat earther. Oh, I'm sure. There has to be, right? Yeah, comics... Between the big three that I could think of, plus Valiant, yeah, there's there's a flat earther in there somewhere. (laughs) I mean, surely even, like, Ethan Van Skyver's gotta be, right? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy so hard. Uh, so written by Roy Thomas, penciled by George Perez, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Remember when planes were so big that they had a lounge? No. Nope. Because <laughs> I don't think this ever actually happened. Um, even it's possible. Here, here's the thing. Even it, when it the might have happened. Were just made. Do what? Even when the 747s were just made, the very first thing the airlines did was tear that shit out, put in seats. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it is entirely possible that there might have been a time, once upon a time, where you there might have been an entire room of a of a commercial airliner. That would have been just like, hey, kick back, have a seat on the sofa. You want a drink? Cool. Smoke if you want to. But at a certain, yeah, at a certain point, they were just like, every spare space that is not machinery has to be seat. Yeah. So they got rid of that shit real quick. Right. I, uh, I, mm, fucking airlines. <laughs> every time, every time I fly. For like a year afterward, I'm like, I hate fucking flying. This is fucking bullshit. But anyway, uh, yeah. So the the Fantastic Four are on a commercial flight, hanging out in the lounge. Uh, and it turns out that um, the Hulk has been, you know, being the Hulk. Uh, and the military called them in. And... Reed has rebuilt and refined his uh, Psy amplifier, which in giant size superstars number one accidentally switched the brains of Thing and Hulk. Um, So as soon as he tells him that it's the Psy amplifier, because that was an event 
Ben really doesn't want to do again. He's like, hey, stretch. Ain't that the thing what switched my brains with the, I don't want to do that. What are you, what are you bringing that thing out of mothballs for? And Reed's like, don't worry, I fixed it. And Ben's understandably like, I don't, I don't think I care that you fixed it or believe that you fixed it. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with this. I'm going to, I'll leave that cool. Yeah. And before he can, the Hulk contrivances himself into this story by breaking their plane. Yep. Um, yeah, he he accidentally runs into the wing of the plane that has the Fantastic Four aboard. Uh, and he's just like, huh? Did a gnat hit me? Uh, but so the Fantastic Four... Uh, work together. Ben does nothing. Uh, Sue. So Johnny burns a hole through the side of the plane, which Sue then holds shut. Uh, and Reed and Johnny go outside. Reed grabs hold of the tail of the plane and acts as a parachute while Johnny tries to create enough to, enough of an updraft by the wing to uh keep the plane from uh shaking itself apart right so they manage they manage they are managing to bring it down on this highway there's a car that's driving along you know where cars are supposed to be uh so johnny strongly implied that they're burnouts as well and like one guy's like oh shit i'm not this high I'm real high, but I'm not that high. Which, you know, fucking hippies out driving cars where cars are supposed to be. Is that a stereotype? Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so Johnny puts a stop to that driving responsibly where you're supposed to shit real quick by firing a fireball at them, which makes them then veer off the road. Presumably Uh, dead. Probably. Who cares? They're burnouts. That's why he made them burnouts, was so that no one would give a shit that they died. Yeah. Uh, So they land the plane, at which point a military plane shows up and is like, hey, we're going to take you on to where you need to go. And Reed is just like, what about all these other people? And the military dude is like, well, there are ambulances and stuff on the way, but we need you now. Um, we do get a brief thing in the course of all of this where stretching, stretching to that extent is painful for Reed because of the whole, oh, he's losing his powers thing. Yeah. Um, but they are taken to an, this military base that is buried deep within a mountain, uh, and they meet Colonel Sellers, um, there is some friction immediately because Sellers is just like really gung-ho about this whole process. Um, yeah, he's really looking forward to murdering the Hulk. Yeah. and uh, But then they get a ping from the machinery saying Hulk is in Sector 8, whatever that means. So they are brought out in this military ship. Um, but 
it is uh, destroyed pretty quickly. Yeah, it's like um, a a proto osprey that the Hulk throws a tree through, and yeah. uh, so they fight Hulk. Well, they get yeah. each other down, which is kind of cool because Johnny doesn't Reed, care. J- Johnny Reed catches John or Reed catches Sue and acts as a parachute for her. Sue then uses her powers to create an invisible uh, fireman's pole. Let's be real; it's a stripper pole uh, for Benny Ben to ride down. Benny, whatever. Uh he is a pilot, though, so it could be Benny and the jet. Um, anyway, the point is... I hate you, they, I <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do not blame you at all. You'll be missed. Um, so... They, ba- the, they uh, pummel the shit out of the Hulk, and... Yeah, well, like... Sue, like, creates a bubble around his head to cut off the oxygen. And it's fucked up. Like, so... Ben is like, okay, we got him. Yeah, like you're holding him. Uh, matchstick blasted him some, and then you put a fucking dome on his head. I don't really want to hit him. And Reed's like, I can't hold him on much longer. Fucking hit him. And yeah. Ben's like, I, don't, I guess if I gotta, fine. All right. Yeah. And he just decks the shit out of him, uh, knocking him out. Yeah, but and he is so- not. Like, Ben's not cool with what he just yeah. did. But well, he's also yeah. under the impression that the whole deal is to cure Banner. So, like... Well, and that's... That, I think, is the enti- the impression the entire FF may be under. Yeah. Um, but I... I will give them credit, because in the setup for this issue, they, they said this was not going to be just another... Not... Hulk thing knock down drag out yeah. and it's not uh because they take they take him back to base and stick him in the device and Reed puts on the thing and starts siphoning the gamma radiation out of Hulk and he reverts back to Bruce Banner um now that at which point they're like he's too small for the shackles bring in the special ones for Banner so thing is like, whoa, hold on, what are we doing? And uh and And they're he's like, like Reed had a deal with you guys and Sellers is like, and I'll keep it when I'm good and ready, but there's things but there's nothing you can do about it right now, so let go. Which is To like, be fair. <laughs> yeah. That's that's reasonable. I mean So they string Banner up into a machine and he's like totally confused and out of it and he's just like what's what's going what's going on help me guys guys and yeah. it, it looks it's a bad situation and finally things like you know what fuck this fuck all of you you all suck and punches the machine Banner instant Hulk because he's fucking freaking out, right? Like, yeah. and everyone's like, "Thing, what the hell did you just do? You've ruined everything, and now the Hulk's free." And he's things like, "You know what? I'm with the Hulk. Fuck you, y'all suck." Yeah. Which okay, yeah. so this is weird to me because it both 
works and kind of doesn't. Like, I get Ben. I don't buy some of the other people. Like, why didn't Reed immediately be like, unless he knew that this was part of it, like the stringing him up again, why didn't Reed get pissed and be like, hey, man. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that Sellers is all above board here. I I do think Sellers may be kind of maybe not on the level. But by the same token, there is a reasonable... It is not unreasonable to say, okay, it seems to have worked. Let's make sure it's worked before we just let Banner loose. I think... Um, but that that entails you know taking him to another room with a bed and say sleep it off we'll we'll talk to you when we're ready it not string him up in a different machine but also just because just because he reverted to banner does not mean that the process is finished clearly because the minute the psi amplifier is smashed he immediately reverts back to the Hulk. Sure. All so right. had they let him out, he would have reverted to the Hulk again. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that it was just to make sure that the system was finished first, then make sure that it's on the level before they just even risk taking him out of the machine. So it is not unreasonable to do what they did from a certain standpoint sure i'm not saying that ben is wrong to do what he did because certainly given seller's attitude i would not i would not buy that he was not gonna just lock banner up completely right um but whatever so yeah it's now thing and hulk versus the world uh which is uh which is i buy that like completely um I I think that even if Reed was not expecting uh even if Reed was not expecting sellers to do that, I think Reed would be much more diplomatic about it and be like, Ben, there are avenues to pursue before smashing everything up. But whatever. Yeah. Uh Fantastic Four number one sixty seven. Uh, is inked by Joe Sinnott. Um, So, um, the FF and the military try to stop Thing from letting Hulk loose, but obviously, when you're facing up against the Hulk and the Thing, there's no chance that guns and a dude who stretches are going to be able to do anything. (laughs) Um, So, uh, Hulk and Thing, Hulk keeps calling Thing Little Man, uh, which is pretty funny. But uh, they bust through, they bust out of the room and make their way to a hangar. There were three planes, and they smash two of them uh, as Mister Fantastic looks on in horror. Uh, and I will say, I kind of let. There are a few hiccups here or there with George Perez's art, but overall, I really like what he does in these issues. Um, But uh, 
thing gets with the last plane air up in the air and uh they're like trying to figure out where they're gonna go and because things just like look you know we don't have unlimited fuel we need to decide where we're going and head in that direction and so the thing or so hulk is like well there's uh there was a um a rock I used to like to sit on and just kind of think about things. And as they're, as they're flying along, he sees the gateway arch in St. Louis. The fucking arch cannot catch a break of late. Um, but they see the arch and he's like, Hey, that kind of looks like it. And so he has thing, um, land it's at this point that thing experiences like some dizziness but uh sellers is pissed and he is on the warpath but reed manages to get him to calm down and let the fantastic four take a crack at it first um so the three of them leave and uh when they're when they're on their way, Reed is explaining that they need to get Ben the fuck away from the Hulk, um, because his his exposure to the Hulk has always been fairly short. Even when they were having their knockdown dragout fight through New York City, uh, they they did they did manage to. Uh, not be as together as long as they've been now. Yeah, so, that, that fight was only total time around the Hulk, 45 minutes, right? Yeah. Not days. Yeah, and so uh, they get to St. Louis, and they find they find Ben and Hulk arguing on a rooftop, uh hulk is like i wanted to land on that and ben's like it's impossible to land on that what the fuck are you talking about uh and of course it's the hulk in the middle of a metro area so the national guard is called out and hulk's like trying to throw a fucking chimney on top of them and things like fucking quit it will you chill and he's like i want to kill the soldiers yeah Uh, yeah yeah um Throughout all of this, Thing keeps having dizzy spells, um, but uh, the in the in the course of this, um, the Sue just abandons the plane they're in into the river um, because it's running low on fuel. Uh, Thing and Hulk. Um, wind up squaring off against the remaining Fantastic Four and uh, they Thing knocks out Human Torch uh, who hits Reed and it burns the straps of the thing Reed had to try and siphon off some of the yeah so um uh Sue, I kind of, I kind of like. 
she's been practicing with making shit with her powers. So when she abandons the plane into the Missouri River, or I guess it's the Mississippi. Yeah. Whatever. Um, she, uh, she creates a walkway for herself. That's pretty, that's pretty cool though. <laughs> she's like, uh, I have to be careful cause it's still invisible and it's just kind of like, there's, I mean, you're making it over water, just extend it down into the water a little bit and then you'll clearly see where it is, right. whatever. Um, so the, uh, Reed gets knocked out and lands on the arch. Uh, Hulk is about to attack him, but Ru, but Sue saves him. Uh, at which point thing is just like, fuck, I made the wrong choice here. So he starts fighting the Hulk, but then he starts turning human. Um, he's like swatted off, <laughs> um, but is saved by the human torch. Um, and the Hulk is like, the Hulk is saddened by the fact that he's lost a friend since the thing turned human again uh and so he's just like fuck and like leaves um and so I like everybody the, uh the soldier everybody gathers around ben and they're like you're human again and he's like holy shit i'm human again and one of the soldiers is like hey uh pants buddy <laughs> pants like the city ain't x-rated come on pants and yeah. Ben's like, oh shit, pants. Yeah, alright. <laughs> so it's like he's holding up his thing, Speedos, and yeah. he's like, they're too big for him and it's adorable. Yeah. yeah. The world has now seen things thing. Uh, yeah. But, so the yeah. Thing. And the, the end result is that uh, Reed is just like, I'm happy for him, but what about the Fantastic Four? Does this mean um, the end of the Fantastic Four? No, of course not. No, it'll of be course fine. not. They'll just first of all, this is only going to last eight issues. It'll be okay. Yeah. Um, though it kind of sucks. This is the longest Ben is human. <laughs> like, even though it's only eight issues, he doesn't get to enjoy being human for more than that. Yep. Fuck you, Ben. And he also gets to have existential crises about uh, his place in the world now that he's not the thing. Yeah. So he so. doesn't even really get to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, like... You know, it's it's one of those things, like... He could have enjoyed being a pilot and all, but, like, was he the best pilot? Mm. Eh, like, it was alright. <laughs> it's pretty good. You know, but, like... He was the fucking thing, man. But whatever. Now, now you're not even that. And they're yeah. leaving you behind to go on all these adventures because you don't have any powers. Yep. Yeah, well. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. So, from me, number five, uh, Marvel team up doing a pretty good job of selling me on Kill Raven. Like, I'm probably not going to do it, but 
it did a good it did do a good job of getting me to be like i wonder if that book's any good because it kind of looks pretty good uh number four the official avengers rooftop brooding policy (laughs) (laughs) it seems as though uh iron man is hinting that there's something in the bylaws about if an avenger wants to just go to the roof and brood while a storm uh billows in the background or billows high above them then that is their right uh, as an avenger um number three as it should be as it should be number three scarecrow story is too wacky for ben Grimm. just look man i've been to the future i've met uh actual fucking wizards and uh i know a guy who claims that his father is satan so whatever you got i just lay it on me scarecrow walking out of a now it's too fucking weird nope i'm out bye uh number two is uh mary jane under the goblin mask in the kill raven story because that's really cool and it sucks it happened in team up because if yeah. that would if that would have happened in amazing like i said earlier it would have been awesome and it would have messed with him for issues uh, and then, number one, a support group for men who can't stop creating their own monsters. So, yeah. whether or not that exists, that was, that's Brad. Yeah. Uh, oh, my name is Jonah. I'm carrying the wheel. Alright. Uh, alright, so, number five is, uh, Kazar and Zabu just want to watch an Allosaurus die. <laughs> or eat something. Like, they were just well, like, either way. The, the, the thing is, like, an Allosaurus eating something, like, because his first reaction is, oh, it sounds like an Allosaurus found something to eat. But wait, it sounds like it's putting up a fight. Let's go check it out. And it was that last part that... <laughs> That sold him on going, because before he's just like, whatever, an Allosaurus is eating something. That's what Allosauruses do. But, like, the minute he's just like, wait a minute, it could die? Let's go. Well, I gotta see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four. Yeah. General Ross just can't fucking help it. He's gotta <laughs> send monsters after, after the Hulk. Uh... Number three is Peter Parker, amateur historian. Um, Man knows a lot of motherfucking shit about the uh, the Salem witch riots. Yeah. Uh, number two is MJ being under the goblin mask. Uh, and number one, the Kill Raven issue is kind of abrupt uh, in its ending, and uh, and its beginning. The death, well, yeah, that too, but. Um, and the Deathlock story is similarly, uh, mishandled, but I think it could have been really interesting for Spider-Man to wind up, instead of doing four fucking issues about the Salem Witch Trials, going and having Spider-Man on, like, a magical mystery tour of alternate futures could have been really cool. Yeah, um, I would have much rather read that. 
Absolutely. But it's it's like you said, they they have such a hard on in team up right now for a different guest star every issue. So even yeah. if there's a through line of like one villain or like one plot that he's trying to stop, like Johnny can only be there for eighteen pages and then he's gotta go. Um, yeah. or whatever it is. So Yeah. Uh so yeah. So that's it for us. Uh there is let's see, next week we've got a bunch of Incredible Hulk. Uh and then some Fantastic Four. I'm trying to see here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh but uh in the meantime, um follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU on Twitter. Uh, like us on Facebook. Email us at watchersguide.gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Uh, have a marvelous week. Bye. Bye.